Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to podcast number 11. So today I'm joined by Samantha Evans, who is a former nurse, sexual health and pleasure expert, founder of Joe Divine, and was recently featured on Davina McCall's Channel 4 show called Sex, Myths and Menopause. Um, hi, Sam. Hi. Um, so let's dive straight in. So Sam, can you tell us a bit about your journey to becoming a sexual health and pleasure expert? And what is Joe Divine? Okay, so um, Joe Divine is an online sex toy retailer that my husband and I set up in 2007. Um, my background is nursing. He was an IT, a computer programmer, um, mad change of careers. And um, basically, we decided to sell skin-safe sex toys that were starting to come on the market, but also irritant-free sexual lubricants, which I'll talk about in a bit. Um, and also, I realised that... Um, talking to customers who are buying our sex toys, they've seen them in an advert in a woman's magazine or, you know, just found us, then they were buying them for certain reasons, like they'd been through gynae cancer treatments or breast cancer. Um, and I realised that there was like a lack of information about enjoying sex after cancer or cancer treatments, or, you know, while you have cancer. So I started writing articles for the website, which now has hundreds of articles on it, practical sexual health and pleasure articles, recommending suitable products, sexual lubricants, tips and advice about using products, but also about regaining your sexual function so you can enjoy pleasurable sex. Um, and also because of my nursing background, it also gave me a sort of opened the door a little bit, though it was very hard to begin with, with healthcare professionals, um, because I realised that I'd never been taught about, um, not been trained to talk about this with my patients and, you know, lots of healthcare professionals haven't. So, and yet sexual health, intimacy and pleasure is really impacted upon by cancer care and cancer diagnosis, treatment, surgery, you know, whatever people, chemo, radiotherapy, whatever they're going through. So, um, yeah, so Joe Divine basically it's about normalising sex. It's about saying, you know, anybody can have a sex toy. Our, our customer base is 18 to 95. So we advise a lot of older people to buying their sex toys for the first time. We advise people who are, you know, regular sex toy users. Um, but we're really passionate about what we do. We're a husband and wife team. I give out a lot of information on the phone. Paul advises people on the phone too. You know, menopausal women, people going through cancer. Um, and actually the blog is there as a sort of practical resource, not just for people, the general public, but also for healthcare professionals. And that's what it's become. It's become like a, a sort of useful resource that healthcare professionals can signpost their patients to. They can signpost them to me because they know they're going to get good advice. Um, so basically, yeah, that's what Jodie Line is. So we don't sell all products. <laughs> that's our, the ethos of our company. We're one of the few sexual companies to not sell, you know, to these products that actually can cause irritation um, and, um, and issues. Yeah, it's nice. So it's a good mix of science behind kind of, well, pleasure, I suppose. So, yeah, um, I suppose it is becoming quite a common topic now or more healthcare professionals and patients are really talking about the sexual side of things. So it's good to be chatting to you today. Um, I suppose in an ideal world, Sam, um, who would be involved in helping a patient and their partner regain sexual function and enjoy sex again? In an ideal world, I really think it should be the clinical nurse specialist, if they've got one, and the consultant who is actually, you know, prescribing the care and the, the treatment pathway. But we know that isn't actually happening. Um, those things are often being left, you know, once the patient has been discharged and they're sent back to the GP and then the GP doesn't have any clue. And often sometimes people are left 
struggling, have no idea what they're meant to do. And often it could be, you know, years down the line that they're actually experiencing these late effects. Um, so, yeah, in an ideal world, I would love it to be the clinical nurse specialist. I work with some fantastic clinical nurse specialists. They are amazing, but I'd love all of them to be like that. I'd love oncologists to have this knowledge. I do work with some oncologists. Um, pelvic floor physio, that's brilliant. You know, both for men and women. Um, and I think that could really plays a massive part in um, pre-rehab. You know, it's actually, um, this is really important, but actually I always advise a lot of people, even today, talking about wound cancer to a wound cancer charity. And they did have a pelvic floor physio, which was brilliant, because I think this should be part and parcel of treatment. Um, and psychosexual therapy. I think everybody should have, have access to a psychosexual therapist when they're going through treatment or following treatment. Nobody's going to need it. They just need access to one should they need it. And they may not need it immediately after treatment, six months after treatment. They may find sort of two years later that they could really benefit from this. Um, and menopause experts, because, you know, often patients are thrown into a surgical or, or medical menopause. And actually, you know, they're then sent back to the GP. The oncologist hasn't prescribed anything, you know, often because they don't know much about menopause, they haven't really training. Sent back to the GP who doesn't know what to do with this patient. And actually, if you've been through cancer treatment, you do need to be referred to a menopause expert because obviously some people can't have hormone replacement therapy, but quite a lot of people can. Um, and you need to be able to talk about other options. So I think that is really, really important, um, you know, in an ideal world. Um, that would be great. It does happen across the UK. They do connect up. They're brilliant. They do work some fantastic ones. Chelsea and Westminster up in Manchester. Yeah, I've been. I, it's lovely when you actually work with these people. And go, yeah, we can refer to our pelvic health visit. Yeah, we've got a psychosexual therapist. Yeah, Oxford. They've got a really good team there. Um, you know, and this can happen when you actually all work together and all join the dots. Then you're offering a holistic care, aren't you, to the patient, so they can actually regain their sexual function and enjoy pleasurable sex. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's it, it's bringing all the right people together. Um, it's good to hear that there are some some of these sort of services already working. Um, yeah. I suppose, in your opinion, Sam, how far away do you think cancer services are from achieving this? I think some are doing incredibly well. There's been a big push in about probably the last two years since I, I started doing this sort of, you know, properly in about 2015, writing and giving talks. Um, I think you know, we've, we're starting to have study days and conferences and actually they're going to get a speaker or they'll get a patient advocate to actually talk about the impact on their sex life, which is really, really important to hear it from the patient. Um, but it really is, it, it depends on where you live. You know, I still get people, they can't cope, the oncologist can't cope, they can't possibly talk about sex, the menopause expert can't talk about sex, the clinical nurse specialist has no idea what sexual lubricants to recommend and is recommending very, very poor products. So, um, but I think the more and more we talk about it and the more that healthcare professionals ask for it, because when you actually give these talks, they're fascinated. They want to know. They want to learn. They go, oh, God, I didn't know that. Or, well, I'm actually going to change what I'm going to do. Actually, that's giving me the confidence to open up the conversation because that's all part of it. I think really lack of confidence, knowing what to say and actually where to signpost somebody to. So obviously people we work with, they can signpost their patients to the website and to me. You know, and it, it's almost like a, a buffer. They go, well, yeah, I know a woman who can actually help you, you know. So I think, you no, know, I think the more and more we talk about it, it will be really good. The one thing for me is it's urology is a real problem because, you know, we're always looking at erectile function post-treatment, but actually a lot of urologists have no idea that there are sex toys 
that can really help people, you know, regain their sexual function, but also enjoy pleasurable sex. Um, you know, we're aware, you know, obviously oncologists are aware of vibrators and dildos for, you know, people with a vagina and a vulva, but they just don't know about these fantastic toys that are actually out there that many people can use. And we do advise people and they do use them to help them, you know, promote erectile function, but also they can enjoy pleasure. Even if they can't get, you know, a full erection, they can play with a partner or, you know, they can actually can enable them to, to have an orgasm. So, you know, I, I would really love, I work with very few urologists. I work with a lot more people with gynae cancers and breast cancers. So yeah, that's something that we could change, I think. It's interesting. I suppose some of it as well is, is a, sex can be a bit of a taboo topic, can't it? So it's, I think potentially some of the younger, even when I was quite junior, I suppose it was always, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't feel confident talking to you about this in the treatment room, but now as kind of understanding more and learning more you do start to have that confidence as you said to ask the right questions or signpost so yeah, yeah. it's good yeah. to see that it's improving as well yeah because you could actually open up a can of worms if you actually don't know where to go with it um, and a lot of the cancer leaflets don't actually recommend you know good lubricants or they might say get a vibrator you meant to get there are thousands of them you know it's that's the thing about it it's no point good telling somebody well you need to just get some lube and get yourself a vibrator people just don't know where to start they're too embarrassed to go into a high street shop they might not even sell them what, what would be suitable they're not going to go onto a big website with thousands of products um you know which is why we've curated our range it's just not because of cancer patients but also the articles are there about cancer to signpost people to recommended products that we know can actually help them with the issues that they actually have yeah yeah, I agree. And I, I suppose a big website with lots of different toys could also be quite intimidating to people. Yes, very much. Especially if you've never bought a sex toy before and you've suddenly been told by your doctor yeah. to go buy one. <laughs> Especially if you suddenly go into something that you'd never thought about trying and then that really puts you off, doesn't it? So yeah. I suppose that brings us on quite nicely to when, when do patients and all their partners come to you um, and how do you tailor your support to patients you see? Okay, so often people are either um, recommended to us through their healthcare professionals, so that's either, um, it could be their gynaecologist, their oncologist, their clinical nurse specialist, pelvic health physio or psychosexual therapist, but often people will have found that because they've done a Google and they've actually come across an article, um, and or they might have been to an event, they've been given one of our health brochures that we created in the NHS, which is giving out a lots of events, or they've heard of podcast or whatever or you know they've, they've, they've come across an article maybe i've written telly recently so that's caused a lot of traffic and um, for all sorts of reasons and um, but also because they want information about you know lubricants vaginal moisturizers suitable sex toys they're able to regain their sexual function so they can enjoy pleasurable sex in whichever way they want to. You know, lots of people are really worried about what they're putting inside their bodies post-treatment. You know, they've already been through a lot and they're really they're thinking about what they're eating, they're thinking that you know they're doing exercise, they're being very careful with their general lifestyle. And then as we know they're thinking, well, this is really intimate putting stuff inside my vagina and on my vulva and on my penis. And so, you know, they, they they want to know what would be suitable for them. Obviously, you know, also people who can't use local estrogen, they want hormonal, um, you know, non-hormonal non options like vaginal moisturisers yeah. and lubricants as well. So that's important. So we do a lot of advice about ingredients and lubes, which I know we're going to talk about. But also toys, you know, obviously some people come and they would like to buy our dilator set, which is fine. But some people just want to buy a slim toy, you know, you know with 
with men as well, we'll say, well, there's actually, you know, a male vibrator, a vibrator that you can use that will promote erectile function or, you know, constriction rings or, you know, male masturbators actually can bring you pleasure that will enable you to have an orgasm, um, you know, and actually you can use it with your partner. But when the issue is low libido, obviously massive issue, painful sex, vaginal dryness, atrophy, decreased but their orgasms aren't as strong as they used to be or they're not able to reach orgasm so erectile dysfunction a lot of people are scared a lot of fear you know fear from the person who's gone through the cancer treatment but also their partner you know because they're worried about hurting them and when they have sex a lot of people are mourning the loss of their sexual relationship um you know and they've their loss of their body images change or you know the loss of the orgasms that were really good before they had treatment and they've the whole sort of you know relationship they're having with their bodies um you know so we have lots of conversations <laughs> with people um about things really yeah i suppose it's quite quite a lot and i think what's quite sad to hear i think what you said is um just patients not getting any advice post-treatment um i think that's quite it's challenging for us i suppose for, especially for us in radiotherapy we see patients in a very you know a small aspect of their treatment journey if you want so you know it depends how long we see them for but we don't see them afterwards so after we've done sort of external beam radiotherapy for carny patients and then their BRCA therapy or for prostate patients after they've had a long course of radiotherapy um so I suppose yeah it, it's difficult for us to know then how to sign both as well so it's yeah it's quite interesting um it's a lot to get into but I suppose with the, the support you offer um you know, I know you've gone into lubes and ingredients and why they're so important. And I know this is probably why you told me that your nickname is the lube queen, but <laughs> what, why is it that um, ingredients in these products are so important? So the thing is with um, sexual lubricants, not all lubricants are the same, even though I've been told that by gynecologists. Um, and actually, well, you know, we've got lubricants everywhere coming out of our ears, literally shells, heaving with them on the high street. But basically, the vast majority of sexual lubricants contain many irritating ingredients, which is why we don't sell them. So basically, you need to be avoiding ingredients such as glycerin. Glycerin is the sugar, and that will cause thrush. And obviously, that's often problematic post-treatment because of the changes in the vagina and vulval tissue because of the depleting, depleting estrogen. Propylene glycol, that's something, an ingredient that actually causes the stinging when you first put a lube on or a vaginal moisturiser. And you actually find that in um, antifreeze. Um, also wow. parabens, which are preservatives to obviously prolong shelf life, but also they are hormone disruptors and are being removed from a lot of beauty products. Um, but you've also got alcohol, which obviously is very drying, certainly to the tissues of the vulva and vagina and anus and penis that are all very, very sensitive. You've got dyes because you all need a glittery pink vulva. You've got perfume products or scented product that is smell of strawberries or lavender. Um, you know, it's a real problem because people are told to use these products and they cause irritation and stinging and itching and they'll get a bounce brush products available in the nhs you know be good old ky which was my downfall and um, because i used ky in my early years and it led to numerous infections and i ended up um, and actually that's why i'm so passionate about this now because once we discovered yes organic lubricants and put them on our website and started using them my issues went away um, so you know this is why I harp on about it all the time because so many poor products are being recommended, not just lubricants, things that are designed as a sexual lubricant, but things out of the kitchen cupboard and the bathroom cupboard. You know, your Vaseline, baby oil, olive oil, cooking oil, coconut oil, 
sort of the jury's out on that really the most important thing is that it's 100% pure that it you know that it's been ethically sourced not farmed by monkeys on a chain and you're using it out of a tube but also anything oil based is going to destroy condoms you know and if people need to use condoms a lot of people think well, they don't because they can't get pregnant anymore because they're going through menopause but if you're in a new relationship you've all got a risk of getting a sexually transmitted infection um and you know this is important and actually when people use a poor lube it puts them off using the lube they think all lubes are the same so for me you know you've got yes organic lubricants available on prescription and the vaginal moisturizer why patients can't be prescribed these and a moisturizer is different to a lube obviously a lube is for any form of sex play a moisturizer is there to be used sort of every few days and you can pop a little bit on every day but also use it internally every few days to moisturize and nourish the tissues of the vulva and vagina to keep them flexible to help you know to promote sort of flexibility so that it's not tight and also to promote lubrication too and then obviously a, a lubricant is designed for any form of sex play whatever you're doing i mean we also sell sutil lux and rich it's again these these are organic and botanical lubricants that don't contain the ingredients that i was talking about um, and Sutil Lux and Rich can both be used as a vagina moisturiser too. And Sutil Rich is brilliant as an anal lubricant because it's a bit thicker. They're all water, that, that's water-based. And then you've got oil-based lubes. So I talked about, you know, don't use your baby oils on your olive oils because there is a research to show that it increases your cash um, and destroys condoms. But also um, the Yes oil-based is great. It's not available on prescription. But that can be used with the water base, the water and the oil base can be reused together, oil on first, water on the top, creates what's called a double glide effect. And the oil's great just for popping on the tissues of the vulva, you know, to, to sort of keep them comfortable during the day. And also if you go swimming in chlorinated water or seawater, it protects the vulva too, that's what I use it for. Um, so, but yeah, but again, it's the thing about products as well you know we've got a whole industry that was created for a problem that never existed you know our smelly vaginas that we need to scrub out and we don't because they're self-cleaning but quite frankly the first thing people do is they'll pick up a, a wash because they've got this irritation or it's stinging or itching that's actually only going to exacerbate your issues it might even mask symptoms that you've got that you need maybe you know to see a gp about because it might be a, a genital skin problem um and you know it's everything the internet washes we've got scented menstrual pads we've got perfume condoms bath bombs i call them thrush bombs they're awful you know you just need to wash with water and if you feel you need to wash with something, use a gentle emollient you can get from your GP, you know, but these products will irritate. And unfortunately, a lot of this stuff is recommended by healthcare professionals. And there's even products on prescription that contain irritating ingredients. So I always say to people, if your GP is going to prescribe, say, well, I'd like this product, what more are you prescribing me and what are the ingredients? So, yeah, definitely. That's my thing about that. And also... When it comes to sex toys as well, they need to be skin safe materials. So no jelly, latex or rubber, they're highly porous, they absorb bacteria, degrade over time, they actually degrade with some lubricants you know, and they leach out chemicals, they're not good for you. Um, you need skin safe silicon, glass, metal, ABS, plastic, they're non-porous and they are completely skin safe. So that's the important thing about it. Very, very interesting. I think there's one you, some of the research and stuff or yeah. some of your blogs that you've said, so I think lots of NHS places will use OptiLube, but I think yeah. you've said there's a few issues with that as well. But um, I suppose just very quickly, just to touch on sort of dilators post-treatment. So OptiLube is one of the most common things we give with it, I think, um, to patients. But again, that, sorry. Well, it, sorry, it contains the ingredients that I talked about, but like similar to KY, 
I mean, a lot of these products were really not only designed for medical use, like KY was originally designed for that, but obviously then they realised they could promote it as a sexual lubricant, one of the well known, most well-known brands. But it's not the only one out there. The vast majority contain irritating ingredients. But with a lot of water-based lubricant that are recommended, they're also, not only do they contain these ingredients, they're also hyperosmotic, which means they actually draw moisture out the walls of the vagina, so they actually exacerbate vaginal dryness. And I spoke to somebody the other day, she was using Opulube and had ter terrible irritation as well. So, you know, thank you now she's got some of our nice lube to use with her dilators. But unfortunately, I think the kits come with these lubes. So, you know, and if, if your clinical nurse specialist, you know, or your healthcare professional doesn't have any knowledge of these lubes, and it's like, then they're just going to give out what's available, which is fair enough. But obviously you, get you can get samples of you, know, you can order them and just give them out to your patients and say, well, this is really good. And you can get it on prescription, ask your GP to prescribe it. So, um, you know, but it's finding what works for you. There might be people out there who really like coconut oil. They don't get thrush and they're not using condoms and it works for them. It really is about finding what works for you. There are, much, there are better there that are much better for you when you've been through treatment. So. Okay. Do, so do you think, so for example, if we wanted to get rid of OptiLube in a clinic, um, what sort of things are available on prescription um, for health, but maybe the other healthcare professionals who are listening may not have heard of? Okay, so, well, basically the only ones that I would recommend on prescription would be the Yes water-based lubricant. You can have samples from them. They will send you sachets to give out in clinic and to be used with the dilators. Um, and then also, yes, vaginal moisturizers, the vaginal moisturizer. Those are just, I, that, that's the thing that's available on prescription. So um you know i though i there isn't really anything else on prescription i know there is one other brand that is available on prescription but it does have glycerin in it but okay. i don't recommend it or would use it but some of my customers like it so you know so yeah. fine but you know if you want to give out lubricant with the dilators in clinic then i would say get yourself some yes sachets um you know they provide the water base the oil base and the vaginal moisturizer sachets and they're happy to give you whatever you need really so um, it's important for patients to be able to try these products because they would have no idea. Like the lady I spoke to over the Optilube, she was really quite distressed that she'd been given it because like, why is it, why am I being given this? It doesn't seem like it's safe. And it's, I'm not saying that it's not safe. It's just not that good, <laughs> you know, cause more irritation. Um, and it's not really designed for sex. I just... Just because something's slippery doesn't mean to say that it's good for sex. That's the thing about it, you know, that's why your olive oils and your baby oils. You know, I had a clinical nurse specialist advise a patient to use Vaseline. I mean, Vaseline's just designed to put on the outside, it's a barrier. You know, it's like, I don't understand why people don't understand these things designed for internal use or so intimate use. Just, and just because you can eat olive oil, it doesn't mean to say it's good for your, your sex. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, thank you for explaining that. I think it's good to know, um, especially for anyone listening. Um, do, you, do you think there is scope for sexual health prehab for oncology patients? Oh, God, yeah. I really want this to be a compulsory part of treatment. I think there is such a need for it. it it's already happening in some hospitals. I mean, Chelsea in Westminster, the pelvic health video there does, you know, um, pre-rehab. Uh, she does the pelvic floor exercises with the guys going through prostate cancer treatment as well and with the guys going through prostate cancer she'll have them in and then they'll come in on their own and they'll also come in with a partner and she'll have our toys or something in clinic and she'll often say to the female partner if it is say you might want to consider getting yourself a, a simple vibrator while your partner is and you can play together but also it means that it will keep 
things going for you because the thing about partners you know going through prostate cancer often they're of an age where their partner is menopausal so if you haven't had sex sex for six to 12 months because your partner's recovering and trying to regain his erectile function post-treatment then actually things can tighten up you can become dry and they're going to have sex and actually it's really painful or uncomfortable so we sort of say you know get yourself a sex toy to keep yourself going but also you can play with it with your partner your partner can play with you um, with it as well so um, and it's the same with people going through gynae cancer treatments as well um, you know um, and I know that often breast cancer patients are able to get themselves a sex toy but definitely you know if you gave this information pre-treatment because there's a lot going on you know you're going through the treatment and then afterwards and it's all just a bit of a blur and you don't know how it, you're going to feel and it might not be till six months down the line that you want to attempt to have sex. And then suddenly it's not happening. Um, but if you were told that, you know, okay, it's going to impact on your sexual function, but you know, there are things you can do. This is really good lubricant. You might want to consider getting yourself a simple sex toy, you know, and we can talk about the different ways you can play together sexually. And actually, if you manage people's expectations realistically, then often their recovery is better and they enjoy better sexual satisfaction because research has shown that. And also couples who have counselling pre-treatment too, they've actually shown that that really works too because they have this realistic expectation of what might happen because it might not you know they might not it might not be too bad for them they might not end up with you know too many problems but it, at least it prepares people so then yeah. they know well, actually i was told i was to expect this and actually they've told me this this really good vaginal moisturizer that i can use or actually i probably should get myself a simple bullet vibrator you know well they did tell me that my orgasms might not be as strong you know it's i think when you prepare people in that way then you know it's it, it, it is much better um, and also you've opened up the conversation about sex it's not this elephant in the room that is <laughs> often yeah. not discussed is it or left to the gp or the patient's just sent off and there's nothing been given to them or just a booklet that just says get yourself some lube and a vibrator yeah no, that's good so quite a lot to go into potentially for people across the country um i know it sounds very interesting I know you've sort of touched on it already, Sam, but um, how do patients and their partners or even healthcare professionals uh, come to you for advice? So basically, obviously, you know, they can find out about Jodie Vine. We've got um, a little health brochure, um, which we created in the NHS at Cambridge Wells Hospital with a consultant urogynecologist, Alex Slack, and the pelvic health physio, Pip Salmon. That gets given out in a lot of clinics, and it's a great way of opening up the conversation. Um, and people google us as i say they google their wound cancer you know whatever it is prostate cancer they'll come across an article um but people can contact us you know at jodivine.com they can go to customer service and contact us they can contact me on social media so i'm at sam talk sex on instagram and twitter um but yeah i mean you know the information that people come to us as if they get you know advice skin safe sex toys you know, um, dilators, the products for people with erectile dysfunction. You know, we've got a um, the Bathmate Hydramax, which is a, a pump that uses water, you use it in the bath or the shower. Um, and, you know, it's just the information and I can signpost people to articles. I say, oh, I've written an article about, you know, that, or I've written an article about that. And my articles also contain links to really useful, you know, support groups, the charities that we work with, the menopause experts, you know, pelvic health physios, so it's actually, and psychosexual therapists, 
And so it's actually a holistic thing, as I said before. So, you know, people can call us, they email, they DM, you know, it's, um, we're always happy to give advice, you know, and if I'm not around, I do call people back. So, you know, that's the most important. I always want to make sure that people have got the most suitable product that I think is going to work for them. And they might phone up and say, I want this one. I'm going, well, actually, from the sounds of what you've been through, I think we'd be better off with this much smaller toy or this would be more suitable for you. Or really, you need to see a pelvic health physio before you actually buy anything from us. So, um, you know, that's that's really important for me. And it'd be so good if health if, if healthcare professionals and healthcare, you know, places, could hospitals could actually work with commercial organisations like Jodie Ryan we've got this resource and my frustration is I get told we love what you're doing but we can't recommend you well what are you recommending well we're not really recommending anything why wouldn't you I mean that is changing slowly but just not quick enough really because this information's there you know um, I only make money by selling lubes and sex toy I don't make money by giving out all this advice you know and I do it all for free I work with lots of charities because I want to help people regain their sexual function so they can enjoy pleasurable sex so um you know that's that's what i do so yeah no it's good to hear your passion um and hopefully you know we can start sending more patients your way or something like that and i suppose it, it, to add to it lots of the information you have on your website might help some sort of radiotherapy centers who are thinking about starting a sexual kind of health clinic within their radiotherapy departments for the future yeah. Oxford have done that um you know they've actually got a really good clinic there with Heather Nesbitt and they've got um Ellie I can't remember her surname, I should do, Ellie Holloway psychosexual therapist you know so that they were acting really enough Oxford were one of the very first hospitals that started working with their pelvic health physios but you know it worked it works really well people can just refer their patients and they run support groups and they do all sorts of things and it just makes such a difference so yeah, definitely. Um, for you, you know, for people to actually know, well, you know, I'm not sure about this, but I can read about it. And actually, if you want more information, then there's this information here, um, you know, presented in a nice way. You know, it's not a, you know, a, a, a sex toy website that from people who think, oh, sex toys, I don't really want to go on there. Full of rampant rabbits. The world's moved on from the rampant rabbit, thank goodness. But, you know, it's actually a nice website. But, you know, we go from cancer to kink. You know, we, we're not hiding what we do. But, you know, just because you've got a cancer diagnosis doesn't mean to say you're no longer into your BDSM. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> we're not medicalising it. We're actually normalising it and going, hey, you know, these products actually could help you regain your sexual function and enjoy, you know, and your sex life. So. Yeah, no, good. Thank you. Um, I have to ask, obviously, because you've, um, well, you were involved in quite an important show for lots of people on telly recently. Um, what was it like to film or, you know, film on the Davina McCall programme? She was brilliant because she lived in Tunbridge Wells and she popped round to my house. She was really happy she could walk in. We did it all in lockdown. Um, and we just, just sat on the sofa and I just sat and chatted. We chatted for about you know, half an hour, but we stayed. Obviously, we were here, she was here for much longer, but we talked about all sorts. But she's an, a massive, an amazing advocate for this. She was really worried about doing it. She really thought twice about doing it. She lied about, she, not that she lied, she didn't tell people that she was taking HRT because she didn't want people to think, you know, oh, she's going through men, she's an old dried up menopausal woman, which she's certainly not. Um, but the thing is having somebody that passionate who really wanted to talk about sex and say, this is really important. I mean, the actual producers of the programme, um, Kate Muir and um, Linda Sands, you know, they were really passionate about actually including this because often when we talk about menopause, sort of sex is always sort of, you know, again, the elephant in the room, people get, you know, you might have a gynecologist go, vaginal dryness. 
you know, and sort of, you know, it's just I'm recommending, you know, you want to use some lube rather than actually saying, no, hang about. You need to have this intimate health regime. You know, you can use local estrogen, you can use vagina moisturizer, use good lubricants, have regular orgasm, you know, and have fun. That was the most important thing about it. And I think that you, you know, being positive about it and being, you know, I think a lot of people, the feedback we got was, oh my goodness me, that was amazing. The toys flew off the shelf. It was, it was transformative for our business, but also the conversations I've had. I obviously advise a lot of people who've been through cancer treatments too. Um, and they were just relieved to actually have seen something like that on telly. So to have, you know, a leading celebrity who's in the limelight all the time, happy to. And what she does now, she goes on Twitter and she answers people's questions as well. So Yeah, I have seen that. <laughs> it's quite funny. It's just like, you know, but to say, you know, and also talking about her own problems. I think a lot of people think that they're, they're alone and they, they think they're going mad. And, you know, you're not going mad. You know, this is how we feel, some of us. This is how it impacts on our physical and mental well-being. So, you know. We have got more and more people. We've got a lot more. I almost feel like we've got my menopausal co-screen. We've got a lot of these celebrities now talking about it, which is really, really good. But, um, you know, it, with the programme was done in a good way. I think there's going to be a follow-up, but they will be looking at lifestyle, non-hormonal treatment, because obviously not everybody can take HRT or wants to. Um, you know, looking at diet and exercise and cognitive therapy and all those things, you know, that can actually really help causal or symptoms so yeah it's um i'm really proud to have been part of it it was you know i'm really really happy that it, it had such an impact such a positive impact yeah i agree and i think it is really important to be raising these sort of things even for people like me who i don't know much about menopause but actually i learned quite a lot um so yeah it's well, quite it everybody it's not just a person going through it you know yeah. you know mums aunties nanas sisters and actually, you know, it impacts my menopause, impacted upon my husband and the children. So, you know, that's why everybody needs to be educated because it doesn't just affect the person going through it. Partners, children, family, friends, work life. You know, we know people are leaving work because they're not getting any support in the workplace. Um, and we can't afford for these experienced midlife women to be leaving work. But also, I think you've mentioned before, a lot more younger people are having cancer having a cancer diagnosis or having cancer diagnosed at a younger age they're going through treatment we've got a lot more younger women now going through menopause you know i work with trek stock the young cancer charity you know doing a couple of events coming up next week and week after and you know these are younger women and so they need more support because they're going to be in menopause longer um you know they need to you know because of the because of the impact of the cancer treatment so and also we've got women going through menopause who've got premature ovarian insufficiency or they're just going through an early menopause um i mean Haley was on the program she when it started menopause went into menopause when she was 14 um so you know we do need to talk about this because it's it's something that happens to 51 percent in some way or another so um yeah i think it is is breaking that kind of those barriers down same as talking about sex um it isn't something to be it isn't something you should only ask the young patients. As you said, you offer advice up to you know, 95. So I've, I've spoken to patients who have been kind of sexually active in their 80s. And I was a bit shocked personally at the beginning. But now I think having talked to more and more patients and being more confident to ask them around their sexual function, how they're getting on with their intimacy with their partner,